0: But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up, and do not be afraid. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Get up, and do not be afraid. Sounds easy enough. But the disciples had just witnessed a terrifying sight at the top of the mountain. They were with Jesus, Peter and James and John, when his clothes became dazzling white. His face shined brighter than the sun. And I don't think that that means that they used extra Tide Pods or something. Like a strobe light, like stars, like lightning. Moses and Elijah, long dead, suddenly appeared, speaking with them. A cloud, a bright cloud, hides them, and a voice comes from the cloud. This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Get up, and do not be afraid. Easy for you to say. The disciples did what any of us would have done. They fell to the ground. They did not know what was happening. Overcome by fear, Jesus came to them and touched them. Get up and do not be afraid. And they looked up and saw Jesus himself alone. Get up and do not be afraid. Easy for you to say, Jesus, but we have witnessed terrifying sights we are afraid we have seen people we love die and we know that it could happen again we have experienced divorce our own and others another kind of death and we have watched as people lined up to take sides and pass judgment. We are lonely a lot of the time, and we wish for a more connected future, even though we don't know how that will happen. We have been betrayed by people we thought we could trust, people we look to as models of Christian faith have failed us in the most horrific ways. And that's just looking backwards. We look to the future and there is more to be afraid of. Afraid that our family might forget us. Afraid about what climate change might mean for our children. Afraid that we might make the wrong choices about a career or a college or who to get married to. Or afraid that we have already made wrong choices. Afraid that forces outside of our control will rob us and our families of the abundant life we hope for, for ourselves and for those we care about. It's overwhelming. It's paralyzing. It's almost enough, almost, to make us prefer strange voices coming out of clouds. Odd meteorological phenomena. Get up. And do not be afraid. Easy for you to say, Jesus, you might think. But Jesus knew what his job was just before this passage that we've read today. Jesus has just finished his disciples that he must go down the mountain to Jerusalem to undergo great suffering and to die and on the third day be raised from the dead. That is what he is going down the mountain to. So I think we can trust that this is no glib statement. This is no easy dismissal of the disciples' fear. Jesus has just undergone this powerful affirmation of who he is and what he is called to do. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And now he and the disciples must go down the mountain. Get up, and do not be afraid. People have interacted with fear towards gods since the beginning of recorded history, and the history of people interacting with the God of Israel is a little different. In today's Old Testament reading, the people of Israel watch as Moses goes up a different mountain to meet God face to face and to receive the Ten Commandments. At the top of the mountain, Moses disappears into a cloud, and for 40 days and 40 nights, the people of Israel can't see him anymore. Now, I used to think that that cloud was like when you go to the Sears Tower or the Empire State Building or another skyscraper, and you go up to the observation deck. You know, It's usually 80-some stories high. You get in the elevator on the ground, and there's some fluffy clouds up above you, and then you go up, and you're 80 stories up, and you're above the clouds. You can't see the ground because the clouds are below you, and they're kind of fluffy and friendly looking, the kind of cotton ball clouds. I think that would be a nice pillow. But Moses does not disappear into a puffy white cotton ball cloud. Exodus says that after the cloud covered the mountain, Moses went into the cloud to the people of Israel. The presence of God was like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Elizabeth and I have several friends and acquaintances and special places in California. And for the last several summers, wildfires have started somewhat near enough to friends or acquaintances or places that we care about that I have found myself watching wildfire coverage on the internet. And last summer in particular, there was a fire outside Ventura for several weeks that I watched closely. And unusually, there was actually live video footage of the very beginning of that fire. This power equipment up up high on a a power line on a pole, telephone pole, exploded and rained down sparks and hot metal and whatever on the dry underbrush. Of course, it was very dry and windy, as it often is, and a fire started. And days later, cars were going down the Pacific Coast Highway and up the mountain to the left. It was just a wall of fire an inferno, a consuming fire. That is what Moses went up into. That is what the people of Israel watched Moses disappear in. And they really didn't know all that much about the God of Israel yet. They knew that God delivered them out of Egypt using very scary plagues, They knew that Moses was sent by God, but most of the time, they were terrified of God. More than a few of them, I imagine, in 40 days and 40 nights, wondered if Moses was coming back. Indeed, if Moses was still alive. They were distant. And God looked terrible. A lot of us were raised with a distant, terrible God. Some of us learn that God is far away, and that if you get too close, God will burn you up. If you made the wrong move, God will zap you. For some of us, there's always the temptation to think that God is like that wildfire burning on the side of the PCH, laying waste, or at least ready to lay waste, to everything in its path. And to be sure, we Americans like to think that God is basically nice, that we are basically nice and God works for us. But consider, God made the universe. The sun is 93 million miles from Earth, and it's big enough that 960,000 Earths could fit inside of it. The sun is one of three billion stars in our galaxy, and there are approximately 100 billion galaxies in the universe. And God made all of that. That means there are more stars in the sky than there are grains of sand on seashores, anywhere on earth. And then Jews and Christians come along and say that that God wants to not be distant from us. That that God is personally invested in your life and in mine. Get up, and do not be afraid. Because on another mountain, some 2,000 years after Moses, God reveals himself to us another way, through Jesus Christ. And the disciples this time, God's people, are not far away. They are with Jesus. And yet it is no less terrifying to watch their friend become dazzling white with the glory of God. But when it's all over, the hand that made a hundred billion stars, the hand that led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, the hand that reaches out in the middle of the night to you and I, taps Simon Peter on the shoulder, laying on the ground, and says... Get up and do not be afraid. And they get up and they no longer see bright lights or Moses or Elijah. They see Jesus himself alone. When Moses came down the mountain, he sprinkled the people with blood, with the blood of a sacrifice to seal the covenant God had made with his people. But now Jesus comes down the mountain to give his blood for the life of the world. No longer will God be far away and removed and distant and terrible. This is a God who comes to dinner and who says to his disciples, this is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you. So what God shows the disciples on the mountain results in Jesus and then heading down the mountain for Jesus to die on the cross for the sake of the world. Jesus is powerfully affirmed in who he is as God's son and beloved by God, and it results in him taking up tangible action with and for the poor of the world to save them from death and sin. Get up. And do not be afraid. This week we mark the beginning of the season of Lent on Ash Wednesday. The prayer book invites us to keep a holy Lent by prayer, self-examination, fasting, and denial. In other words, the prayer book invites us to take tangible action with and for the poor of the world, including ourselves. Lent is not a self-improvement project to make ourselves better or kinder. Lent is meant to draw us closer to the God who came to us in Jesus. And when we give up good things like meat on certain days or sweets or social media or Netflix, we do so to open space, to listen for the sounds of God drawing near to us, to wait for the tap on the shoulder for the loving closeness of the living God. Lent also has historically been a time when the church gives alms, which is an old word, it means offering for the poor. And those of us who want to coordinate our almsgiving during Lent, here at Trinity, will have an opportunity to give towards, <coughs> excuse me, the work of the Haiti Project, our diocesan partnership with a school and medical clinic and other installations in Jeanette, Haiti. And one of their staff members, Meredith Harbour, will be with us next week to tell us some more about the work of the Haiti Project and how our support is important. But today, we might find ourselves afraid. We might be laying in the ground on the top of the mountain afraid of god afraid of death afraid of the path that lies before us but on this last sunday after the epiphany the lord jesus christ through whom billions of stars and billions of galaxies were made reaches out his hand to touch you and i personally he reaches out across time and space to say, this is my body given for you, so that we might hear his voice and listen to him, so that we might join him in taking tangible action to draw near to him and to serve the poor. In spite of all our fears, in spite of all failures of the church, in spite of everything, Jesus reaches down to touch us still today. Get up and do not be afraid.